Chapter Fourteen, Part Two of Salambo by Gustave Flaubert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter Fourteen, Part Two. A mist, heavy and warm, such as comes in those regions at the end of winter, sank on the fourteenth day upon the army this change of temperature brought numerous deaths with it and corruption was developed with frightful rapidity in the warm dampness which was kept in by the sides of the mountain the drizzle that fell upon the corpses softened them and soon made the plain one broad tract of rottenness whitish vapours floated overhead they pricked the nostrils penetrated the skin and troubled the sight and the barbarians thought that through the exhalations of the breath they could see the souls of their companions they were overwhelmed with immense disgust they wished for nothing more they preferred to die two days afterwards the weather became fine again and hunger seized them once more it seemed to them that their stomachs were being wrenched from them with tongs then they rolled about in convulsions flung handfuls of dust into their mouths bit their arms and burst into frantic laughter they were still more tormented by thirst for they had not a drop of water the leathern bottles having been completely dried up since the ninth day to cheat their need they applied their tongues to the metal plates on their waist-belts their ivory pommels and the steel of their swords some former caravan leaders tightened their waists with ropes others sucked a pebble they drank urine cooled in their brazen helmets and they still expected the army from tunis the length of time which it took in coming was according to their conjectures an assurance of its early arrival besides matho who was a brave fellow would not desert them twill be to-morrow they would say to one another and then to-morrow would pass at the beginning they had offered up prayers and vows and practised all kinds of incantations just now their only feeding on their divinities was one of hatred and they strove to revenge themselves by believing in them no more men of violent disposition perished first the africans held out better than the gauls Zaxas lay stretched at full length among the balearians his hair over his arm inert spendius found a plant with broad leaves filled abundantly with juice and after declaring that it was poisonous so as to keep off the rest he fed himself upon it they were too weak to knock down the flying crows with stones sometimes when a gibbetaeus was perched on a corpse 
and had been mangling it for a long time a man would set himself to crawl towards it with a javelin between his teeth he would support himself with one hand and after taking a good aim throw his weapon the white feathered creature disturbed by the noise would desist and look about in tranquil fashion like a cormorant on a rock and would then again thrust in its hideous yellow beak while the man in despair would fall flat on his face in the dust some succeeded in discovering chameleons and serpents but it was the love of life that kept them alive they directed their souls to this idea exclusively and clung to existence by an effort of the will that prolonged it the most stoical kept close to one another seated in a circle here and there among the dead in the middle of the plain and wrapped in their cloaks they gave themselves up silently to their sadness those who had been born in towns recalled the resounding streets the taverns theatres baths and the barbers shops where there are tales to be heard others could once more see country districts at sunset when the yellow corn waves and the great oxen ascend the hills again with the ploughshares on their necks travellers dreamt of cisterns hunters of their forests veterans of battles and in the somnolence that benumbed them their thoughts jostled one another with the precipitancy and clearness of dreams hallucinations came suddenly upon them they sought for a door in the mountain in order to flee and tried to pass through it others thought that they were sailing in a storm and gave orders for the handling of a ship or else fell back in terror perceiving punic battalions in the clouds there were some who imagined themselves at a feast and sang many through a strange mania would repeat the same word or continually make the same gesture then when they happened to raise their heads and look at one another they were choked with sobs on discovering the horrible ravages made in their faces some had ceased to suffer and to while away the hours told of the perils which they had escaped death was certain and imminent to all how many times had they not tried to open up a passage as to implore terms from the conqueror by what means could they do so they did not even know where hamilcar was the wind was blowing from the direction of the ravine it made the sand flow perpetually in cascades over the portcullis and the cloaks and hair of the barbarians were being covered with it as though the earth were rising upon them and desirous of burying them nothing stirred the eternal mountain seemed still higher to them every morning 
sometimes flights of birds darted past beneath the blue sky in the freedom of the air the men closed their eyes that they might not see them at first they felt a buzzing in their ears their nails grew black the cold reached to their breasts they lay upon their sides and expired without a cry on the nineteenth day two thousand asiatics were dead with fifteen hundred from the archipelago eight thousand from libya the youngest of the mercenaries and whole tribes in all twenty thousand soldiers or half of the army oteritus who had only fifty golds left was going to kill himself in order to put an end to this state of things when he thought he saw a man on the top of the mountain in front of him owing to his elevation this man did not appear taller than a dwarf however oteritus recognized a shield shaped like a trefoil on his left arm a carthaginian he exclaimed and immediately throughout the plain before the portcullis and beneath the rocks all rose the soldier was walking along the edge of the precipice the barbarians gazed at him from below spendius picked up the head of an ox then having formed a diadem with two belts he fixed it on the horns at the end of a pole in token of pacific intentions the carthaginian disappeared they waited at last in the evening a sword-belt suddenly fell from above like a stone loosened from the cliff it was made of red leather covered with embroidery with three diamond stars and shaped in the centre it bore the mark of the great council a horse beneath a palm-tree this was hamilcar's reply the safe conduct that he sent them they had nothing to fear any change of fortune brought with it the end of their woes they were moved with extravagant joy they embraced one another they wept spendius oteritus and zaxas four italiotes a negro and two spartans offered themselves as envoys they were immediately accepted they did not know however by what means they should get away but a cracking sounded in the direction of the rocks and the most elevated of them after rocking to and fro rebounded to the bottom in fact if they were immovable on the side of the barbarians for it would have been necessary to urge them up an inclined plane and they were moreover heaped together owing to the narrowness of the gorge on the others on the contrary it was sufficient to drive against them with violence to make them descend the carthaginians pushed them and at daybreak they projected into the plain like the steps of an immense ruined staircase the barbarians were still unable to climb them ladders were held out for their assistance all rushed upon them the discharge of a catapult drove the crowd back 
only the ten were taken away they walked amid the clinabarians leaning their hands on the horses croups for support now that their first joy was over they began to harbour anxieties hamilcar's demands would be cruel but spendius reassured them i will speak and he boasted that he knew excellent things to say for the safety of the army behind all the bushes they met with ambushed sentries who prostrated themselves before the sword-belt which spendius had placed over his shoulder when they reached the punic camp the crowd flocked around them and they thought that they could hear whisperings and laughter the door of a tent opened hamilcar was at the very back of it seated on a stool beside a table on which there shone a naked sword he was surrounded by captains who were standing he started back on perceiving these men and then bent over to examine them their pupils were strangely dilated and there was a great black circle around their eyes which extended to the lower parts of their ears their bluish noses stood out between their hollow cheeks which were chinked with deep wrinkles the skin of their bodies was too large for their muscles and was hidden beneath a slate-coloured dust their lips were glued to their yellow teeth they exhaled an infectious odour they might have been taken for half-opened tombs for living sepulchres in the centre of the tent on a mat on which the captains were about to sit down there was a dish of smoking gourds the barbarians fastened their eyes upon it with a shivering in all their limbs and tears came to their eyelids nevertheless they restrained themselves hamilcar turned away to speak to some one then they all flung themselves upon it flat on the ground their faces were soaked in the fat and the noise of their deglutition was mingled with the sobs of joy which they uttered through astonishment doubtless rather than pity they were allowed to finish the mess then when they had risen hamilcar with a sign commanded the man who bore the sword-belt to speak spendius was afraid he stammered hamilcar while listening to him kept turning around on his finger a big gold ring the same which had stamped the seal of carthage upon the sword-belt he let it fall to the ground spendius immediately picked it up his servile habits came back to him in the presence of his master the others quivered with indignation at such baseness but the greek raised his voice and spoke for a long time in rapid insidious and even violent fashion setting forth the crimes of hanno whom he knew to be barca's enemy and striving to move hamilcar's pity by the details of their miseries and the recollection of their devotion in the end he became forgetful of himself being carried away by the warmth of his temper hamilcar replied that he accepted their excuses 
peace then was about to be concluded and now it would be a definite one but he required that ten mercenaries chosen by himself should be delivered up to him without their weapons or tunics they had not expected such clemency spendius exclaimed ah twenty if you wish master no ten will suffice replied hamilcar quietly they were sent out of the tent to deliberate as soon as they were alone autaritus protested against the sacrifice of their companions and zarxas said to spendius why did you not kill him his sword was there beside you him said spendius him him he repeated several times as though the thing had been impossible and hamilcar were an immortal they were so overwhelmed with weariness that they stretched themselves on their backs on the ground not knowing at what resolution to arrive spendius urged them to yield at last they consented and went in again then the suffet put his hand into the hands of the ten barbarians in turn and pressed their thumbs then he rubbed it on his garment for their vicious skin gave a rude soft impression to the touch a greasy tingling which induced horripilation afterwards he said to them you are really all the chiefs of the barbarians and you have sworn for them yes they replied without constraint from the bottom of your souls with the intention of fulfilling your promises they assured him that they were returning to the rest in order to fulfil them well rejoined the suffet in accordance with the convention concluded between myself barca and the ambassadors of the mercenaries it is you whom i choose and shall keep spendius fell swooning upon the mat the barbarians as though abandoning him pressed close together and there was not a word not a complaint their companions who were waiting for them not seeing them return believed themselves betrayed the envoys had no doubt given themselves up to the suffet they waited for two days longer then on the morning of the third their resolution was taken with ropes picks and arrows arranged like rungs between strips of canvas they succeeded in scaling the rocks and leaving the weakest about three thousand in number behind them they began their march to rejoin the army at tunis above the gorge there stretched a meadow thinly sown with shrubs the barbarians devoured the buds afterwards they found a field of beans and everything disappeared as though a cloud of grasshoppers had passed that way three hours later they reached a second plateau bordered by a belt of green hills among the undulations of these hillocks silvery sheaves shone at intervals from one another the barbarians who were dazzled by the sun 
could perceive confusedly below great black masses supporting them these rose as though they were expanding they were lances in towers on elephants terribly armed besides the spears on their breasts the bodkin tusks the brass plates which covered their sides and the daggers fastened to their knee-caps they had at the extremity of their tusks a leathern bracelet in which the handle of a broad cutlass was inserted they had set out simultaneously from the back part of the plain and were advancing on both sides in parallel lines the barbarians were frozen with a nameless terror they did not even try to flee they already found themselves surrounded the elephants entered into the mass of men and the spurs on their breasts divided it the lances on their tusks upturned it like ploughshares they cut hewed and hacked with the scythes on their trunks the towers which were full of phalaricas looked like volcanoes on the march nothing could be distinguished but a large heap whereupon human flesh pieces of brass and blood made white spots grey sheets and red fuses the horrible animals dug out black furrows as they passed through the midst of it all the fiercest was driven by a numidian who was crowned with a diadem of plumes he hurled javelins with frightful quickness giving at intervals a long shrill whistle the great beasts docile as dogs kept an eye on him during the carnage the circle of them narrowed by degrees the weakened barbarians offered no resistance the elephants were soon in the centre of the plain they lacked space they thronged half rearing together and their tusks clashed against one another suddenly narhavas quieted them and wheeling around they trotted back to the hills two syntagmata however had taken refuge on the right in a bend of ground had thrown away their arms and were all kneeling with their faces towards the punic tents imploring mercy with uplifted arms their legs and hands were tied then when they were stretched on the ground beside one another the elephants were brought back their breasts cracked like boxes being forced two were crushed at every step the big feet sank into the bodies with a motion of the haunches which made the elephants appear lame they went on to the very end the level surface of the plain again became motionless night fell hamilcar was delighting himself with the spectacle of his vengeance but suddenly he started he saw and all saw some more barbarians six hundred paces to the left of the summit of a peak in fact four hundred of the stoutest mercenaries 
etruscans libyans and spartans had gained the heights at the beginning and had remained there in uncertainty until now after the massacre of their companions they resolved to make their way through the carthaginians they were already descending in serried columns in a marvellous and formidable fashion a herald was immediately dispatched to them the suffet needed soldiers he received them unconditionally so greatly did he admire their bravery they could even said the man of carthage come a little nearer to a place which he pointed out to them where they would find provisions the barbarians ran thither and spent the night in eating then the carthaginians broke into clamours against the suffet's partiality for the mercenaries did he yield to these outbursts of insatiable hatred or was it a refinement of treachery the next day he came himself without a sword and bareheaded with an escort of clinabarians and announced to them that having too many to feed he did not intend to keep them nevertheless as he wanted men and he knew of no means of selecting the good ones they were to fight together to the death he would then admit the conquerors into his own bodyguard this death was quite as good as another and then moving his soldiers aside for the punic standards hid the horizon from the mercenaries he showed them the one hundred and ninety-two elephants under narhavas forming a single straight line their trunks brandishing broad steel blades like giant arms holding axes above their heads the barbarians looked at one another silently it was not death that made them turn pale but the horrible compulsion to which they found themselves reduced the community of their lives had brought about profound friendship among these men the camp with most took the place of their country living without a family they transferred the needful tenderness to a companion and they would fall asleep in the starlight side by side under the same cloak and then in their perpetual wanderings through all sorts of countries murders and adventures they had contracted affections one for the other in which the stronger protected the younger in the midst of battles helped him to cross precipices sponged the sweat of fevers from his brow and stole food for him and the weaker a child perhaps who had been picked up on the roadside and had then become a mercenary repaid this devotion by a thousand kindnesses they exchanged their necklaces and earrings presents which they had made to one another in former days after great peril or in hours of intoxication all asked to die and none would strike a young fellow might be seen here and there saying to another whose beard was grey no no you are more robust you will avenge us kill me and the man would reply i have fewer years to live strike to the heart and think no more about it 
brothers gazed on one another with clasped hands and friend bade friend eternal farewells standing and weeping upon his shoulder they threw off their caresses that the sword-points might be thrust in the more quickly then there appeared the marks of the great blows which they had received for carthage and which looked like inscriptions on columns they placed themselves in four equal ranks after the fashion of gladiators and began with timid engagements some had even bandaged their eyes and their swords waved gently through the air like blind men's sticks the carthaginians hooted and shouted to them that they were cowards the barbarians became animated and soon the combat as general headlong and terrible sometimes two men all covered with blood would stop fall into each other's arms and die with mutual kisses none drew back they rushed upon the extended blades their delirium was so frenzied that the carthaginians in the distance were afraid at last they stopped their breasts made a great hoarse noise and their eyeballs could be seen through their long hair which hung down as though it had come out of a purple bath several were turning around rapidly like panthers wounded in the forehead others stood motionless looking at a corpse at their feet then they would suddenly tear their faces with their nails take their swords with both hands and plunge them into their own bodies there were still sixty left they asked for drink they were told by shouts to throw away their swords and when they had done so water was brought to them while they were drinking with their faces buried in the vases sixty carthaginians leaped upon them and killed them with stilettos in the back hamilcar had done this to gratify the instincts of his army and by means of this treachery to attach it to his own person End of chapter fourteen part two